0: to the Peer Review. I'm Artemis.
1: And I'm Colin. And this episode, like all episodes, are published and produced by the York Review. So Artemis, what do you have for us today? So today, using literature, we're going to
0: have a greater discussion about mental health.
1: All right. Fantastic. Um, And so before we get into the literature of our discussion, um, we have some statistics, right?
0: Yes. Some mental health statistics for college students.
1: Yeah. To start us off, um, over 30,000 people in the United States um, die by suicide every year, right? Um, And more than 90% of those people have some sort of psychiatric, some sort of mental illness. Um, Some like risk factors um, that increase people's likelihood um, of suicide are depression, bipolar disorder, alcohol, um, drug or chemical dependency, um, schizophrenia. Um, so all of these have a real effect on people's lives enough that um, suicide becomes a real concern here.
0: And not just suicide, but also it's reported that one in three students have reported prolonged periods of depression. Um, also, one in four students reported having suicidal thoughts or feelings reported problems with school work due to mental health issues. 50% of students rated their mental health below average or poor. Only one in seven students reported engaging in abnormally reckless behavior. Oddly, 50% of students received no education on mental health issues prior to college. And only 7% of parents reported their college students as experiencing mental health issues.
1: Right, so this is a real concern for us and the students of your college, right? Mental health is something that we're, as a society, like becoming aware of, you know what I mean? And we're starting to address it, but we still carry around these negative stigma and sort of really outdated views on uh, mental health.
0: Right. Right. And so that's why we wanted to continue a discussion about that but also using literature and uh, film as a way to look at that particular issue. There are actually quite a few movies and books that deal with mental health specifically. Um, So book-wise, Girl Interrupted was a, a great book, but it's also a movie that a lot of people have probably seen. There are other books like... I'm Not Sick, I Don't Need Help, A World Without You, um, Mosquito Land, I Never Promised You, A Rose Garden.
1: Um. Yeah, I personally have read um, The Vegetarian by Hong Kang. It's a Korean novel, um, and it's It's fantastic that um, just kind of shines some light on what it's like to deal with some of these disorders, which which I think is the beauty of literature, which we've discussed before, is that you can really see from someone else's perspective, and that really shines through when looking at like mental or psychiatric illness or disorders, mental health, rather.
0: Right. And I'll, you know, I, another book that probably a lot of college students have read, uh, like The Yellow Wallpaper, where uh, even if it's not taking place in this particular time period, it's still is very relevant. I mean, you're talking about a story that involved a woman with uh, postpartum depression and uh, some of the, the views on how to treat that back then and, and even some views on how people think it should be treated now that are not helpful at all like or even hurtful, um, which I think oftentimes does create that, that stigma that people have about not wanting to get help. Um, they don't want to go on medication because they think it'll make them into a zombie or they don't want to, uh, seek out help because they don't know how, or they think it makes them weak or something. And that's just not the case. Um, so in this particular podcast, we're going to be talking about the play and also the film called Night Mother.
1: That's apostrophe night mother, like good night mother.
0: Right. And it's by Marsha normal Norman. Marsha
1: Norman, and oh. So this is going to be split up um, as two different sort of discussions. Um, the first, um, Artemis is going to perform two readings for us, um, and we're going to discuss um, sort of the use of metaphor to show mental illness in this book and, um, or play? Yes.
0: Yeah, in fun. this
1: play and movie. Um, and then two more readings, where so we're going to kind of discuss a more straightforward, direct literary style that kind of l- lets you show a little bit, or that shows a little bit about control and its role in um, people who suffer from mental illness.
0: So just a little background of the play and the, the movie. Um, it involves just two people. There's two characters. One name, One's name is Jesse Cates, and the other's name is Thelma Mama Cates. Uh, Thelma is Jesse's mother. And a basic synopsis of the story would be, um, the play is about a daughter, Jesse, and her mother, Thelma. It begins with Jesse calmly telling her mama that by morning she will be dead as she plans to commit suicide that very evening. The subsequent dialogue between Jesse and mama slowly reveals her reasonings for her decision, her life with mama, and how thoroughly she has planned her own death, culminating in a disturbing yet unavoidable com- climax. Um, there's some background that you should know about the character of Jessie. She's a divorced woman who lives with her widowed mother. She's an epileptic who has experienced seizures most of her life. Nothing in life has worked out for this woman, including raising a son who turned out to be a disappointing loser. She has suffered from severe chronic depression that has never been treated. In the play, her long-standing despair has been temporarily relieved by the decision that has her uncharacteristically peaceful and talkative. The usual grayness and unsteady physical energy of this woman has given way to a new purpose that is exposed in productivity and detached humor. Um, so essentially uh, in the story you have this this woman who she's kind of at her end because she has these uh epileptic fits which really takes away all of the control that she has in her life she can't drive she can't work she has to live with her mother uh the epilepsy and problems other problems caused uh her marriage to fall apart her and her son have uh issues that they don't see eye to eye and so they are no longer a thing um and she just... I mean, this disease is so debilitating to her that it even takes control away from her where she has to be handled by other people, especially when she's having a seizure. And she's gotten to a point in her life where she just realizes that although everyone might think that, you know, it'll get better or something might change for her, she's realized that it's just not going to get better. It's its going to be a lot of the same. Um, and I... I chose this particular story to talk about um, not only because I really enjoyed reading it and I also loved watching the movie Uh, and uh, the movie's titled the same thing. And if you can't find the movie, uh, it's not exactly a new movie. I think it was made in 1986 or something. Uh, Even though it's still an excellent movie, you can look up the play on YouTube. The whole thing is on there. Uh, And the play is also, it's excellent. Um, But I, the thing that I really liked about this is that it, it, looks at suicide from a different direction. Um, Normally when you hear about mental health illnesses, it's from like somebody else's perspective, dealing with somebody who has mental health illness. Yeah. Um, Very few times do you actually see a movie or read a story where the person themselves has mental health problems. Um, And then normally when you do, there's again a lot of that like stigma that goes along with it. Uh, they normally don't seek out help. It's normally really destructive uh, for them in some sort of way. And that's not necessarily the best way to show uh, mental health problems. I
1: agree. I'm agree. i sorry. I agree. I think it's important to see that side of it. But I also think it's important and I think we're missing this side where someone gets help. You know what I mean? I, I, I think... There aren't many stories out there that's where you see someone with mental illness like getting help right like seeking help and and having this sort of like win mm-hmm. you know you don't see that often um and you don't see that really in um night mother uh, but looking at um stigma and the way mental illness is represented in literature um that is like a change i, I would like to see
0: and um and it, not just seeing them get help but What comes after, I think, is something that's also important that we need to to remember also. Um, You know, it's not... I mean, it's enough to seek help because you should always seek help if you're feeling this way. But I think it's not enough to not show what happens after that where people do get better. You know, um, Mm -hmm. they go on medication. It doesn't make them less people. It doesn't make them zombies. They, They get the chemical balanced correctly or they get whatever they need to help them, the coping skills or whatever, and they get out there and they get to make friends and, and have normal family relations. I don't want to say normal because, you know, what is normal, but, um, they have good, healthy relationships with people and family or, you know, animals maybe like, um, you know, they're not depressed anymore or maybe they are still depressed, but they're in a better place. And I think that that's something that we need to see more of. And Even if we don't see that, like, in this particular play, um, I think it's important that we see this part of it, too, because it does show the thought process that people go through when this happens and a lot of the feelings that they have. And then maybe if you can relate to some of those feelings, then you might realize, hey, maybe I need to get help, too. Uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, There are four quotes that I found from the book that are also in the movie um, that I really thought stood out uh, for many different reasons. And I'm going to read two of them and then we're going to discuss the, those two quotes and then I'll read the next two and we'll discuss those two quotes. Right. Um, but the first quote is Jesse trying to use a metaphor to explain to her mother um, wanting to commit suicide. And she says, Mama... I know you used to ride the bus, riding the bus and it's hot and bumpy and crowded and it's noisy and more than anything else in the world you want to get off. And the only reason in the world you don't get off is it's still 50 blocks from where you're going. Well, I can get off right now if I want to, because even if I ride 50 more years and then get off, it's still the same place when I step down to it. Whenever I feel like it, I can get off. Whenever I've had enough, it's my stop. I've had enough, um, and then
1: that's powerful. I, I like I like that quote a lot.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of my uh, favorite quotes from here. And the next one, which is along the similar lines, which she uses a uh, a radio, kind of as a metaphor here, and she says, "No, you can't, and I can't do anything either about my life to change it, make it better." make me feel better about it, like it better, make it work. But I can stop it, shut it down, turn it off like a radio when there's nothing on that I want to listen to. It's all I really have that belongs to me, and I'm going to say what happens to it, and it's going to stop. And I'm going to stop it, so let's just have a good time. Um, a little information about why she's saying let's have a good time is that that particular night before she... Uh, decides that she's going to commit suicide, it's the normal night that her and her mother get together and they do, like, pedicures or manicures or something. And so it's supposed to be a good night for her and her mother. It's something that they, sh- her mother should be able to look back on fondly uh, without thinking about the suicidal part. Yeah, absolutely. Um. But, of course, the mother's, like, dramatically and drastically trying to change her daughter's mind. So there's... Uh, the the daughter saying, you know, it's going to happen regardless. So why don't sure. we just have a good time? And the mother saying, I can't have a good time because this is happening. For sure. Um, but let so getting back to the literary aspect of it, um, Colin, what did you think?
1: Uh, so I think they're both really great metaphors, and I think the author uses them here for the same reason Jesse uses them um, in the in the play, right? And it's to kind of show someone something in a way they understand, right? And that's the power um, that metaphors really bring to literature. And it's why they're so important when showing new perspectives on things is because you can relate how you're feeling to, like, something they'll understand. Mm -hmm. Like like, like being on, like, a bumpy, hot, crowded bus um, or, like, just having nothing on the radio. And it's like, why bother, right? And you turn it off. Right. Um, so I think, um, not only is her, her her metaphors are just used so, so well here, um, because they're, they're familiar and the way she goes about like bringing them forward and describing them, like there's a little bit of like, like a lead into it, right? She's not just like, I'm like, I feel like I'm on a bus right now. You know right. what I mean? That's, like, there's, like, an explanation there, and, and there's, like, depth to the to the metaphor. It's not just, I'm on a bus, right? She, like, gets into, like, the bumpiness, the loudness, the uncom... You can feel the uncomfortableness in there. Right. Yeah.
0: She takes a very, very complicated situation like life, mm-hmm. and she kind of dumbs it down. I don't say dumbs it down, but dumbs it down, like,
1: yeah. to the Simplifies point where, like,
0: yeah. even if you were to explain this to a child, they could probably understand it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, which is great. And I think even with the radio metaphor, like, you know, there's nothing on. So why, why keep it on? Yeah. yeah. Like I can turn it off and that's something I can control. And I also think that that's what she's, she's saying in both of them too. She's saying, you know, like I'm choosing to step off the bus now. I'm choosing to turn off the radio. Right. Because even if I leave the radio on or even if I get off the bus, you know, at the stop 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, I'll I'll be in the same spot. Like yeah. it's like almost the bus isn't moving, you know, for Absolutely. her.
1: Yeah, and and we'll see more control um, in your next quotes as well. Um, do you want, do you want to get right into those now?
0: Yeah. Okay. So the next quote is um, it's Jesse's mother talking to her about uh, not giving up to keep trying, and so Mama says, "You can keep trying. You can get brave." Try some more. You don't have to give up. And Jesse says, I'm not giving up. This is the other thing I'm trying. And I'm sure there are some other things that might work. But might work isn't good enough anymore. I need something that will work. This will work. That's why I picked it. And then the very last quote. Yes, very powerful. And then the very last quote, um, again, she's talking to her mother. And she says, I'm just not having a very good time and I don't have any reason to think it'll get anything but worse. I'm tired. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I feel used. I, I, I really can't think of any other like way to describe severe depression besides that, that just, I'm tired. I'm hurt, I'm sad, and I feel used.
1: Yeah, and a a big part of what's so powerful about this is, like, both those quotes, I think, are strongly related to control. You Mm -hmm. can see her using this choice as a way to, like, finally have control over her life, right? Mm -hmm. And and when looking at the way it's written compared to our last two quotes, these two quotes are very choppy, right? Very direct. And, And, like, there's no... Um, like, metaphors too much in there that, that that I noticed. It's just kind of blunt, direct, short-sentenced language, right? And that's sort of related to control, I think. And that's good writing, is relating what you're talking about to how you talk about it. And, and I think that she uses it so amazingly here.
0: Right. Again, she, you know, in the the first part there, she says, like, you know, I'm not giving up, like... And, and I think that's sort of the mentality that a lot of people have when it comes to suicide. Um, I think that there are – I mean I'm sure there are many sides to it, but you kind of mm-hmm. see like these two major sides. And you see like the one side where people are like, you know, it's a temporary solution or a permanent solution to a temporary problem and it's like a weak thing to commit suicide yeah. and, you know, yeah. nobody should do it. Some – you know, it gets better kind of mentality. Yeah. And then you have these these other people who think like, you know, although no, you shouldn't commit suicide – there are some people who can understand and sympathize with the fact that for some people it might just not get better. And for some
1: people, this might just be their answer. Right. And and thinking about Jesse and her situation with this epilepsy, like unable to do anything, like have any sort of like real responsibility, you know um, that's like a pretty, like she can look forward pretty clearly you know what I mean? Um, right. Like, she's in a very unique situation um, where she can... I, th- I think she's able to make that call.
0: Right. And to, to kind of put, like, a personal note on this, so uh, my sister is epileptic, epileptic and um, it's, you know, she also... She can't drive. Um, it makes it really difficult for her to find particular jobs because, you know, it, it has to be a job that... You know if she does have a seizure, she's not endangering other people, or you know, like she can never drive a bus or work in construction or something like that. She couldn't be like a doctor or a nurse because you know, what if she's like in the middle of surgery, surgery or something and then just like goes into a, a seizure? Like, you know, it, yeah. it really limits people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, she's also a mother and she's just recently married. Um, she just had a child. I mean, her her daughter just turned one uh, a couple of days ago. And so when she found out that she was pregnant, that was a really big thing because, you know, what happens if she has a seizure while she's pregnant, uh, you know, and falls, or, you know, hurts the baby in the fall or something? What happens if she's having a seizure and the seizure itself hurts the child? Um,
1: and that's terrifying, right? That's Right.
0: Yeah. And then... You know, uh, we're in a, an age now, like a medical age, where, like, who knows, maybe the cure for seizures is right around the corner. But, you she know, back in know when this book was written, you know, when the movie came out in 1986 or whatever, like, it, it's a, a big thing. Like, it was very debilitating. And even now, it's still a big thing and debilitating. Right. So it's...
1: And it doesn't help with the stigma that we have, right? That right. people just don't understand, you know? Um... Like your sister and her driving situation, I feel like so many people would be eager to like, there's plenty of jobs in walking distance, right? Like you live in New York, right? Oh, she lives um, in New York. She actually
0: lives so. in Harrisburg, so.
1: Oh, okay. Um, but like I, feel, I feel like people are so stuck in their own mindset, you know what I mean? That, that it's hard for them to like even sympathize with people who, who clearly have it have a rough go of it
0: and that's actually a really good point when you think about uh people with disabilities and not just people with mental health issues but like disabilities in general like it's easy to say oh you could walk to a job or oh you could catch a bus when you have a car yeah but you know if your job isn't anywhere near like a bus route Or if the job that you have has, like, a weird time schedule that doesn't match up with the buses, that means that, like, you might have to wake up two or three hours in advance to catch a bus that'll take you somewhere close to your job, then have to walk a mile and a half to get to your job. And, you know, there are people who do that, and there's people who do that every day, but it becomes even more difficult when, like, you know, you have a disability, or you have a disability and children that need to get to school in the morning, need somebody to pick them up afterwards, stuff like that. Like it's, yeah. it's not always just, Oh, you can just take a bus kind right. of thing.
1: And another issue is a lot of buses don't even run on Sundays. Right. Mm. So and how many job how many employers are going to hire you? You know what I mean? When you, you start right off the bat, like I can't work Sundays. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, like there's other like little pieces that make like the situation of mental illness, like really just it gets in the way of a lot of things and people don't, they, they don't want to hear that right, I, I think that has to do with the way we view mental illness um but but I think there's change on the horizon. Um, you see a lot of pressure um about mental illness these days to you know show some sympathy show some not not sympathy really, but some understanding you know right. I, I think we're beginning to change the way we look at mental health, mental illness, right Yes, hopefully.
0: And I, and that's why I think it was a really good idea to bring this up in this podcast because I think that um, we should talk about it. It's something that should be talked about. It's something that should be read about. It's something that should be in movies, and people should know like the signs and symptoms. Even if it's you trying to f- see those signs and symptoms in yourself, or it's your dorm mate, or your best friend, or you know whomever you know that you're looking for these signs and symptoms in them. It's good to know them and to, to be able to reach out and say, hey, I need help. Or, hey, I think you might need help. How can I help you?
1: Yeah, and, and some warning signs to look out for is um, just like an increase in substance abuse, um, visible anxiety or agitation, or people who either under or oversleep a lot of times. If people are feeling particularly de- depressed or if they're giving up, uh, both are anxious, you'll see um, – a lack of sleep. If they're depressed, a lot of times you see like oversleeping, right? Just sort of like a, I'd rather just not deal with this, right? So you'll see a lot of oversleeping, withdrawal, withdrawal, with, with, mm-hmm. a withdrawing from friends, family, right? You, you'll see them start to start to veer away from like healthy relationships, um, and kind of recede within themselves. Also, um, kind of something that I think we see a lot in college is. Acting reckless sometimes, engaging in risky behaviors, right? Um, it's, it's another sign that you've you've you may have given up a little bit, or you're you're trying anything just to, to feel like something, something new, something different, right? Some sort of change. Um, and a lot of times, people try to achieve that through reckless behavior. Um, also, dramatic mood changes um, could be a, a warning sign of a mental illness,
0: right? So here on campus, we have uh, a wonderfully counseling service. And so if you need to speak with somebody, their number is 717-815-6437. And then if for whatever reason uh, you or you think somebody who you know is like seriously in crisis, uh, you can contact Campus Safety at 717-815-6437. 1314 or your hospital has a crisis intervention line that's 717-851-5320 and then they also have a national hotline if you just need somebody to talk to or you need something to talk through something it's 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255
1: right and and another less. I'll say less dramatic, um, but but another way to deal with this, if it's not really at a super serious level or doesn't seem to be there yet, is just talk to people, right? If someone, if you say hi, how you doing to someone, and they they seem ingenuine in are I'm okay, or if they just tell you straight out that like hey, I, like I'm not doing too hot, so, like stop for a minute and ask ask them why, hear them out. You know, because that means a lot to people, and that, that, you know, that that can really change someone's day. Right. And
0: especially people who live on campus, if you're in your dorm and you notice that your dorm roommate or somebody in the building that you normally see, you're normally in parties, and they kind of, like, start hanging back now, you don't see them very often, you might notice they're drinking a lot or maybe not on campus, but... um. <laughs> you know but uh or doing reckless things like maybe they're skipping out on classes especially if they're just sleeping or mm-hmm. you know um what have you and this behavior is escalating or whatever then you know maybe knock on their door and ask what's going on maybe you can help them maybe they're just stressed because midterms are coming up or maybe their grades aren't the way they want to be you might be able to help them you might be able to tutor them you might be able to put them in the direction of the wonderful tutoring centers that we have here or whoop, whoop. yeah, exactly. Or some of the like mental health services places that we have here.
1: Um, Absolutely. We're, we're all a part of this York college community. Um, and when, when someone's not feeling well, that affects the whole community. Um, especially when we're talking about something as serious as mental illness and how far that can escalate. Right. So it's up to all of us to kind of, combat that within our community here.
0: Right. And just to kind of end this on a personal story, um, it's actually a rather sad story. Um, when I was, before I came here to York College, I went to Hack and uh, Harrisburg Area Community College here in York. And we had a wonderful, awesome English professor there who, I mean, if it wasn't for her, I, I wouldn't be an English major Um, She just opened my eyes to English literature, and she did this for a lot of of students. I mean, if you, like, considered her to be Steve Jobs, she had, like, me and, like, seven to ten other people and, like, the cult of fandom for her. I mean, she was, like, that awesome that people would literally just—groups of people would retake her classes together just because we super enjoyed her class, and um, there was one student, and I'm not going to say his name out of respect, but he uh, took a, a lot of her classes with us, and he. Well, I, I didn't know this until actually today because I had gotten back in touch with that professor to to let her know about this podcast. Um, he had actually been very sick often on uh, not often on, but his whole life. Uh, what I did know is that he had cystic fibrosis, and I didn't know him as well as I thought that I did. He was a really nice guy, and he was normally always very happy, and in the few conversations that I did have with him, he had told me that, like, he spends a lot of time in the hospital, and he really didn't like it, and it was kind of depressing. And I, I never reached out enough to find out, like, what he meant by that, because I, we I all, don't know. We all
1: get caught up in all of yeah. things,
0: yeah. And I, I really regret that I didn't. But um, you know, to me, I thought, oh, you know, maybe he has somebody like a family member in the hospital or something. It never occurred to me that that he was going to the hospital because he had issues. Because every time I saw him, he was always this bright, happy, like amazingly smart, like super energetic kind of guy. And um, and I, I think that this is kind of what shocked a lot of us because we. You know, we had all these classes with him. And then towards the end of one of our semesters, um, we had this huge debate. It was, it was like the end of class kind of final thing that we did. And the debate was on uh, euthanasia. And I was against it and he was for it. And, and it was like a class thing. So it was just me and him. But, um, you know, like we all got together and we did like this huge debate on, on euthanasia and, and we both kind of were very passionate and fiery about our sides. And, and then a couple weeks later, you know, the class was ending and then we found out that he had committed suicide and, um, it, I think it really hit all of us very hard. Like our I think it really hit our group very hard, but I think it hit, like, our community, like the community college and, like, everyone in general very hard because I I don't want to say he didn't seem like the type of person because, you know, who is the type of person? But, you know, he was always this kind of happy person to be around. you wouldn't have guessed. Right. And, And then just one day we all just kind of found out, and it was just like being hit by a train like you would have never suspected it you would have never guessed and i think what was worse is knowing that he was like very ill and then having that whole like euthanasia discussion i think that bothered me the most but i i was speaking with my professor about this um and she was telling me how she feels almost responsible for it because she knew him personally like as a a friend but also as like a student she was in all these classes with him and she didn't even see this the signs because you know one of the big signs of of somebody being depressed is that they are like happy and, and energetic sometimes but like how can you tell the difference between being happy and energetic depressed and just being like a happy energetic kind of person um and you know i don't I don't know specifically if she knew as much as the time about his medical problems as she maybe found out afterwards. And cause I certainly didn't. Um, but had I known, I, I feel like I would have probably reached out more to him. And I, I really regret the fact that I didn't, especially when he was telling me about like, uh, having to be in the hospital, you know, so many times and, and really being depressed about it or not liking it. Um, you know, because even if it just meant, like, going with them one time and hanging out with them or something, or maybe hanging out after class and talking to them about it so we had somebody to vent to, things might have been different, you know? Um, I don't know. And I'll never be able to know. Um, and it's definitely changed the way that I handle people. I know, speaking with my professor, she said it changes how she handles her students, too. Like, she... Um, when she talks to them and she asks them, like, how are you? And she, like, really invests in, like, how are you? Like, don't just tell me you're okay and walk away. Like, let me know what's going on. Like, let me help you. And I kind of do that myself, too, now when I talk to people. Um, I used to find myself, like, you know, uh, whenever I would, like, walk by people. I'm not a very social person, but so, like, if someone would say hi, and I'd be like, hi, how are you doing, or whatever – and my particular, like, doing that wasn't so that – I would hope that, like, people would be like, yeah, I'm okay, and I like, could just keep walking along. Because, like – That's it's, usually
1: how it goes, right? Right. Yeah. Like,
0: you're you you're, you're kind of like, hi, I don't really care. You know, I'm busy. Like, yeah. just be good and let me keep walking. Um, be good. Yeah, like – but after that happened, I started stopping and, and, like, you know, people would be like, oh, I'm okay, or yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, just okay. Like, I'll literally stop and I'll try to, like...
1: Like, what's wrong?
0: Yeah, like, talk to them. Like, you know, why just okay?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because you you really do never know what that person's thinking or how they're feeling. And so that that just one little extra step of caring enough to ask somebody, like, you know, really what's going on could change their whole outlook on on life or, you know, what they're planning on doing or... It could completely turn around their situation just to have, like, a friend. Or, you know, even if, you know, that wouldn't, like, quite make us friends. But, like, to know that somebody cared enough to, like, stop and talk to them. So, um, <clears throat> that's my sad tale. And I, I really hope that nobody else has to go through that because, uh like I said, he was an amazing student and an amazing guy in general. And I, I, I wonder what sort of amazing things he could have done with his life and, and with the education that he was getting had things been different. Um, and I know, like I said, I know that we'll never know. And I know that his, his death really touched a lot of people, um, in a lot of different ways. So,
1: so so take the minute right to just think about these kind of things and when you talk to people take the minute to you know actually care how they're doing
0: and take the time to care about how you're doing like that's true if you're severely depressed if you're you know have anxiety problems or if you're thinking about committing suicide or anything you know stop take a breath talk to somebody uh, find some avenue
1: to get those feelings out. We have resources. We we shared those with you.
0: We do. And, you know, even if you just want to come down here to the podcast room and, like, record a, a funny podcast or something. Yeah? Like, I we're up that. for it. Yeah, come down here. Or, you know, go talk to your counselor or not counselors, your um advisors. They'll help you out. Or go get your favorite professor and sit down with them because I'm sure they'd love to hear from you or chat with you about what's going on with their day or whatever. Like, don't just sit around and and hope that things get better, like actively find ways to make them better. Absolutely. So that is our discussion of, uh, night mother and mental health illness, uh, mental health issues. Um, and again i hope that anybody who needs the help will reach out and you'll continue listening to our podcast because they won't be as depressing as this one
1: no absolutely. Um, next one until until we get to poe once we start talking <laughs> Poe, uh, it's gonna get dark again yes. right, but good dark uh, is there a good dark it's all dark is good. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Maybe not the best way to end this. Um, all right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening.
0: Um, and, of course, if you like this podcast or any of our podcasts that we do, you're more than welcome to submit topics for us to listen to or to talk about. You can come by. You can be interviewed or, or you know, talk on here if you want. Um, you can submit your poems or short stories or music we'd love to play some stuff on here um you know
1: submit so submit to the york review um yeah we have a website for that or something
0: we do so the york review is at uh the website so it's https oh you're gonna read the whole URL? i'm not gonna read the whole URL. it's medium.com slash at york review and then if you want to email your submissions to the York Review, it is the at gmail.com. And if you want to submit submissions to us, it is the rough draft, at gmail.com. Boom.
1: Alright. Thank you guys. Um thank you for listening. Yeah. That's, that's that was it. That's
0: that's the end. Mm-hmm. Keep on trucking.
1: Hey, um. So.
0: Yeah. Bye. About that ending. Cue the music. Ring 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 sure. ring.